0: All right, what faction would you play if you couldn't read? Uh- <laughs> All right, which faction is the best for non-readers? I got to think it's cats. I, I think cats think most
1: cats. likely, yeah. yeah. Cats or rats? Rats has a lot of mood reading.
0: Rats has a lot of text.
1: Yeah. Cats is simple. Wood, building. Yeah. I guess that's true.
0: You got to be able but to read, read numbers. Can you read numbers? Yeah. Okay, so you don't even understand how to win if you can't read numbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is 30? You're not crafting, really, so it doesn't matter to read the cards that much. You can just tell <laughs> the symbols. You don't know about field hospitals, unfortunately. Oh, no. Yeah, that's no. brutal. Yeah. It's playing cats on hard mode. I mean, you're doing life yeah. on hard mode, truthfully. Yeah, because
2: you if you're illiterate, yeah. right. But, I mean, yeah, cats is the play for, for the people who cannot read, for sure. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe otters, because otters understand that their hand is for sale. And they understand that high equals good, right?
0: Yeah, but they don't know how good the cards are. That's true. But they could just, they could see reactions. It's a lot of people
2: who, I'm sure they compensated a lot in life by reading a lot of faces so they could see when someone's eyeing that bird card.
0: I don't read words, I read emotions. Ooh, nice. Yeah.
2: Maybe, yeah, they're illiterate in one way, but literate in another. Yeah, Mm. it's like, yeah,
0: if, if you go blind, then you're like better at hearing, right? So if you can't read, you're really good at root. That's what happens.
2: <laughs> I want the next winner the next tournament winner to be like, I have a confession.
0: <laughs> you said you've been playing a lot
2: of root lately.
0: That's true. Yeah, I've I've been making up for my summer break. Where, where have you been playing it? Well, we all played a game on Tabletop Simulator. Right. Um. And then I've been. I mean, I've been crushing the async games and doing a couple live oh. games on digital. But I've also played a couple IRL games too. Have You guys heard of this Man. new app? It's called IRL.
2: <laughs> Man, IRL games are the best. Yeah. How'd you get those? Just being in Portland.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I work at a game store, and you know, people always go, "Hey, you got to teach me Root sometime." But then I'm uh, truthfully, my IRL games are playing with people that haven't played a ton of Root. So right. It's, a, it's it's a mixed game. bag, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I realize that I'm so I'm so dependent on people knowing the meta. I'm like way too far gone down the rabbit hole. Like playing a first game, I've got no sway, and no one believes me because they know I'm good at the game. You know, Right. when I'm like, you can't keep buying from the otters like that, <laughs> and they're <laughs> but like, why? They like love that I'm scandalized <laughs> by it, and so they keep doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah.
2: I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Teaching games are like that. There's just everybody's just kind of like feeling out all the boundaries, right? And you're like, "There's more boundaries than you think." <laughs> <laughs> I have so many boundaries.
1: Well, those first couple of games, too, you're just pushing up against the, I don't know. You're you're pushing up against the other factions for the first time, and mm-hmm. so you're like, "What if I do it this way?" And it's like, "Well, you just gave a win to them, so." Mm-hmm. You also barely understand your own faction, much less
2: have any comprehension of the other factions, right? Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, we're we're all very experienced in, like, oh, what happens when you try to kill a bunch of sympathy but don't set up martial law? And you realize, like, oh, you didn't check the Woodland Alliance. You gave them the game. (laughs) You know, yeah, buying from the otters. We've seen uh, not hitting the vagabond. There's, like, these certain narratives that you, like, experience firsthand and decide never again you know (laughs) um and enough people have experienced those to where like the games find balance for instance in our tabletop simulator game there was a point where we were all one point away from each other at like 24 25 26 27 something like that right like all poised to win very close um because we knew what we were doing that was a great game but you know what? That was a crazy game. I had fun in all of the games. Even the the, the thing that I realized playing a bunch of Root is that I love this game.
2: <laughs> it is
0: so <laughs> it was fun. Really fun. Yeah, it yeah, is yeah. so good. Like, even if it's like we're not playing like hyper competitively, like at every level, this game is just fun to play because the interactions are so rich. You guys tried it? I would recommend you guys try playing this game.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely seems up my alley for sure. Yeah. <laughs> One of the one of the wrinkles that we added to our game and TTS is uh, both Matt and I uh, timed our turns. We used like the turn timer uh, that I had pitched on our discord. Yeah. And it was interesting. I felt like it didn't really um, impact my ability to play the game, but I felt pressure to like do my turn efficiently. You know
2: what I mean? I assumed that you were taking you were counting all of our turns so i was playing super fast yeah and then two hours in i mentioned it and you're like oh i haven't been
1: recording you i was like damn it i wish i had been the, i know I, I didn't have like the technology set up it was like i, I needed to have four timers and like yeah. two minutes like the whole
0: thing yeah i remember yeah. like my first turn i was like kyle what was that he was like six minutes and i was like that's not true <laughs> <laughs> i just knew that was wrong and so i was like yeah. i'm not gonna ask again
1: i'm i'm Illiterate, so. Ah, just...
0: <laughs> oh, that's great segue. Hey, everybody, welcome to Woodland War Machine. This is a podcast that's called Woodland War Machine. In case you can't read. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In case you wandered here without reading, yeah, you got eight that's minutes. That's what this in, is called. Uh, of us insulting the illiterate and talking about woodland war without realizing that it- they're
2: making me feel bad, but it is interesting
0: discussion. I'll <laughs> stay around for a little while. At least until they tell us what the name of the show is.
2: <laughs> okay, it is Woodland War I'll try it.
0: <laughs> oh, I heard good, I heard good things about this one. Um, we have no root news. <laughs> this is root news. is we finally played Root Again. Yeah, yeah, then that's root news to us. <laughs> um, yeah, we don't have any root news. uh i I did a whole guide. I said, all y'all need to do is come up with some root news. They're like, there isn't some.
2: You know, there, is, there are slow news days, and when slow news days occur, reporters generally report on stuff that's innocuous, right? Mm-hmm. Is there any innocuous information that you've got?
1: Just to continue from last week, we still have the Crafting Stand and Deliver Challenge uh, open to all whimmies. Still waiting for a photo of anyone who's crafted it. Yep. I wonder if anybody's tried. It's just been like, don't bother.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no one has a Season 3 star yet, all right? I'll, I will give out a star if you... Uh, get a challenge. Um, so we still have that one open. Does anyone remember what the challenge was from last week? Was there one? I know
2: you made it. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. Me either. It? Me either. That <laughs> challenge
0: is still up for grabs. In fact, all right. Actually, this week's challenge is remember what last week's challenge. A hundred percent. That's what it is. The first person to, and again, you got to tag me on Discord at Murder
2: She. First person to tag Sam and say what last week's
0: challenge was. We'll win this week's challenge. <laughs> <laughs> and that's root news that's root news that's all the news
2: hey friends future Jake here we actually do have two winners for the challenges since the recording of this podcast Geomorgski won the stand and delivery challenge by pulling it off on root digital they were on the winter map playing as the otters and they said it took a few games to make it work but once crafted it was quite lethal especially versus the lizards and then the second challenge was completed by bonsai7000 uh, you can find that in our discord I'm not going to say what the second challenge is because that's this week's challenge All right, back to the show.
0: Everything's at a standstill in the Mm -hmm. world of Root. Uh, But we haven't been standing still. We've been playing Root, especially in prep for this episode. This episode is versus the Lord of Hundreds. This is our final versus guide until they release new factions in like three years, right? Right. Unless, Unless we ever do
2: like a let's look at all the versus guides again. Oh episode, yeah. 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 Where we're like, Dude, what what, what do we miss? Or like, what did we undervalue or what were we super right about? And we should pat ourselves on the back.
1: Right. I fully expect there to be some continued evolution of the meta from the release of Marauders. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, maybe we can take stock of where everything's at after the next big, like competitive event.
0: Yeah, we'll touch on that after our new series, which is playing without these factions. We did playing as them, playing against them, and then it's just going to be their absence from the board. Mm. It's going to be two-hour episodes about not playing with the moles. What do you think? (laughs) Let's talk about fighting
2: the Lord of the Hundreds. You know, really quick before we get into this, actually, you played the Lord of the Hundreds
0: in our game on TTS, Sam. In in both of the uh, full non-digital games I played, I played as the Lord of the Hundreds, yeah.
2: So the game that we played was uh, Kyle as the Corvette Conspiracy, myself as the Woodland Alliance, Sam as the Lord of the Hundreds, and Matt from Space Cats Peace Turtles playing the Lizard Cult.
0: Yeah, and what I didn't realize at that moment and that I realize now, having written this guide, is that that was a, that was a bad mix for me. <laughs> I initially read the draft as this is great because I'm the only army faction, so like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, haha, lizards aren't going to be able to do anything. But what I failed to neglect is that these are all the factions that just throw pieces in all the clearings.
2: Yeah, a little bit. They throw, well, a lot of us throw cardboard in the clearings, right?
0: Yep. Cardboard, warriors, lizards can pop up anywhere. Corvids don't care about rule. Sympathy spreads wild. Also, we were playing with hirelings. Okay. <laughs> so now there's even more pieces that don't even belong to anybody on the board. You know, this is a
2: really interesting part of all of the Versus guides. We never brought in hirelings into that conversation because they weren't around when we made it. Right, right, right. And so it's like, that's a whole other factor in a right. lot of these games is which hirelings will benefit you. We were playing with the, uh, I have to remember the names, the Eries. The Last the main Dynasty. Board, the Last Dynasty. And then we also had uh, the Moles, uh, reverse side, which was... Mole Artisans. Mole Artisans, right. And then the other one was the otters reverse side, which are the uh, acrobatic swimmers. I don't remember that one. I made that up. I don't know what they <laughs> Synchronized Swimmers. (laughs) Otter Divers is what they're called. Uh, And actually, real quick, just let's give you the context of this. Uh, Last Dynasty has a, a, a group of five warriors that must start on an edge clearing, and then depending if they rule or not, they will battle in that clearing or move in battle. The Otter Divers allow you to ignore rule when moving to or from a clearing on the river. We were playing on the lake map, so that was actually a pretty awesome one to have. And then also the Mole Artisans give the controller the ability that whenever they craft an item... They may reveal it instead of discarding it. And at the end of evening, they return the cards they revealed this way into their hand. That one turned out to be pretty nuts because we were playing a fair amount of, like, crafting those big items pretty
1: quickly, right?
0: Yeah. Kyle made good use of the mole artisans and master engravers.
1: Yeah, it was it was um, pretty amazing. The, the thing I noticed about the hirelings was the B-sides are nice flavors but a faction like the last dynasty has a huge impact on the game and on the board it's like a a wrecking ball that just like crashes through and i had a lot of analysis paralysis around like where do i start this thing because once you like Mm -hmm. place it it just roams around destroying things Mm -hmm. like do i put it kind of close to my area or far away like depends how many turns you have it, right? Cuz you you rolled it for like 3
2: turns when you got in control of it, which is significant when you were in the lead. Well, only only the second time and and that at that point I was not in the lead. Oh, that's true. You acquired it when you were barely in second place. Yeah, yeah that's right. Dangerous. Actually, one one calculation that you had mentioned, Sam, was that you so you drafted first and our other Uh, faction in the draft was the cats and i think no one wanted to play the cats i was uh, i thought kyle would want to but i understand why he didn't anyway that faction match matchup meant you were the only red faction right yeah so you didn't really have anybody to kind of plow through because we kind of and we we didn't avoid you but we were on the other side of the lake from you for a while i put my sympathy in your way but beyond that and the corvids kind of peppered but beyond that you were kind of roaming a little free there for a little bit
0: that's not how it felt to me um
2: <laughs> well what, what sorry let me, let me we'll let me rephrase it yeah. so because we were peppered around there like what did you how did you feel about your positioning
0: yeah i mean i had like two clearings um you need three to score two points and there was just a lot of pieces a lot of pieces that just kept popping up and we'll talk about this in the strategy guide of how uh to go against the the Lord of Hundreds here because what ends up happening is people just put pieces in those two clearings that I had and so I have to retake them on my turn.
2: So yeah, I'm not making that
0: forward progress. You're talking about how a press requires that you rule the
2: clearings without any pieces in them is what you're referring right, to, right? Right, right. But like you were always winning what you needed even though we were kept getting in your way afterwards, right?
0: Mm, I guess. <laughs> um <laughs>
2: I mean, you ended the game at twenty, like six. Yeah, yeah, I was like close.
0: That. It it was all at the end, though, and it was right. like a lot of having to battle cardboard for points. I don't think I ever ruled five clearings, or if I did, it was just for one turn. Yeah. No. Um and that's the next threshold there, uh, and I don't get points for crafting. Also, I wasn't very cognizant of my moods. Here's the easiest way to stop the lord of hundreds is play against me when i'm playing the lord of hundreds because both <laughs> my moods. games did not go very well
2: the moods are so easy to like kind of confuse and stuff if you haven't played them more than a few times and like what you can and can't do based on your items is is an easy thing to kind of get tripped up on
0: yeah i i think turn one i was like great i have a item i can craft and i think i crafted the bag and then i realized oh the bag mood is the best mood and i'm like should i get rid of it i'm like "Uh, i don't want to give up an action every turn so like uh, it was and it kept being like that in both the games i played i just was not taking into consideration what moods that that was going to limit me from
1: yeah and just to clarify that is the relentless mood right
0: yeah so it's the one where if you advance and both move and battle with your warlord you get to take another move and or battle or move or battle um, so it's just kind of like half an advance every time you advance. Yeah, it's
2: so amazing.
0: It's the best mood. <laughs> um, and I I lo- I didn't ever use that one in art. Yeah. And yeah. so that that definitely held me back. I didn't use any mob tokens.
2: That was an interesting part that I was like well we can't prepare for the guy to this because you didn't use any mob tokens but then you still got to 26 or twenty seven so I was like how did he pull that off
0: I was relying on crafting and looting because really mm. the the mobs are, are really for getting the ruin items and I never felt like I wanted to like roll the dice and then move my stack onto it to like destroy a building I just I, I it, it seemed like too aggressive of a move when I thought I could get away with less. Uh, And so in my other game, I tried to play more with mobs, and (laughs) it was on a randomized board. I set a mob, and it was in a mouse clearing, and adjacent to it was two fox and a rabbit. And I rolled that mob die four times in that game, and every (laughs) single time it was mouse. And so I didn't really play with mobs in that one either. Eventually, I removed the mob to get a warrior before a battle, but... That's it. Brutal. So, yeah, my biggest advice is let me play Lord of the Hundreds and you'll be just fine.
1: <laughs> still the only
0: faction I haven't won with yet. I haven't found a win.
2: Well, Kyle, you won that game. And I think it was largely due to, like, a really great aggressive first couple of rounds for you. You made Master Engravers. You got yourself in a corner where no one was really bothering you. You were away from the Lord of the Hundreds, and the Lizards and the Alliance were just doing what they needed to do on their own, so no one bothered you. And you were, like, at 16 by round three or something crazy like that?
1: Yeah, I just, I knew that I didn't want to play a game that was too defensive. I just wanted to, like, go and become a problem, and then that would give me, like, an angle to approach the rest of the game. Mm. So, yeah, I jumped out to a huge early lead, which is, like, a really dumb thing to do as the crows, kind of conventionally speaking. Right? You want to, like, kind of shade your points and, like, try and build up your presence. But it just seemed like with that faction mix that it would have, it would be way better to just, like, score the points as fast as possible. I mean, and then, like, yeah. keep trying to, like, slug it out. And the funny thing was is I had such a big lead for a minute. Um, obviously, everyone, like, crushed all my plots after that to stop me. So I just kept putting raids down and people kept battling them. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: spawning so many corvids because like
1: <laughs> i was like well i know they have to come for me so i'm just gonna throw the raid down
0: the corvids were also in the other game i played and the corvid player was not was definitely not coming out to an early lead like you were but eventually they figured out that they could just put raids down and i would battle them because i need to oppress that clearing and i wasn't thinking and then i would pop it and then the raid would spawn crows and all my other clearings lessening my scoring (laughs) and i was just like oh so i have to guess but i only have one card i couldn't even choose to guess it because it didn't match the clear you're
2: so card poor yeah what a nightmare that's brutal the corbids
0: might be the biggest check just them in the game like they might be the easiest counter the
2: raid token might be the biggest check right i mean well also just the
0: recruit Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that's true. they recruit in Fox and it's like, I probably have a Fox clearing. So then that's one action every turn. And I wasn't taking them efficiently. I think a better Lord of the hundreds player could deal with that spare recruit every turn uh, popping up in your clearing. But I was silly about retaking the stuff that I had done. But regardless, Corvids, you have to you have to be prepared for that if you're a Lord of the hundreds player. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about defeating them. well kyle did defeat him and i was just wondering how he did yeah (laughs) but
2: raids was a good was a good idea because every time we destroyed those things there were just crows everywhere it was great and you still had still managed to have like a full hand of cards every turn kyle those bananas
1: yeah it it worked out Uh, i don't know i i think it was partly luck because i think matt had a path to victory that got a little bit derailed yes that's true um But I will say that one of the biggest differences was the hirelings. It was the last dynasties really came in handy like right at the end of the game. Um, And I never (laughs) thought I was going to see any of these hirelings ever again because I was in the lead for so long. But eventually it cycled back around to me after I had totally stalled out in scoring.
0: I, I hate to keep doing this, but in both my games that I played, no one gave me a hireling for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like it, until the end game when they were like, I guess you're not going to win. I will give you a higher <laughs> level. The consolation. Everyone had one or two before I ever touched one. All right. Well, then let's get into this. Okay. We've got some firsthand experience, but let's talk about the Lord of hundreds, the big bad bringing a new height to the aggression in route with the most move in battle actions of any faction paired with their moves that give them bonuses and mitigation. Means they can be a real handful for any table to deal with. So I don't get it. How do we contain their never ending waterfall of rats? When do we strike to prevent their power swell? When is it okay to craft? Which faction is the biggest counter to the Warlord crows? All of that and more (laughs) in our final versus guide. This is Woodland War Machine. This is Woodland
2: War Machine.
0: (laughs) All right, right, we're starting. Twenty six minutes in. Yeah, this is. I just want to say the name of the show. It is Woodland War Machine. I rated them at a threat level yellow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Really? I I do. I think, and maybe it's just when I play them, but I think that they're (laughs) a threat level yellow. Um, Sure, they are technically a Lord of War, right? Mm -hmm. But oppression is no cakewalk. You should be scared, since they will come to your house and burn it down literally, in the game. Uh, But their point scoring is steady enough to where they're not going to be leaping out in front on the scoreboard. Instead, they're going to be building up their board presence to a point where it's going to be unsustainable and they can 3v1 the table, right? That's the thing we're worried about. So if you're not able to bother them early, they might have the board presence enough to just keep the entire table in check and while they stroll to victory. I agree with this threat level. Yeah.
1: I think that... They seem they have the um, they have a good marketing team. You know what I mean. They seem <laughs> yeah. like a, a level red or an orange, maybe like a red mm-hmm. orange. I would say if anything, it's more of a, definitely more pale. I'm, I'm really with you on this because yeah. uh, it is that scoring trajectory, the linear scoring. It's just you, you can see the wind coming. She's coming around the mountain. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a minute, <laughs> and uh, they they just can't burst the way some other factions do out of nowhere. It's like <laughs> oh. The steamroller is arriving. Mm-hmm. We can prevent it now or let it
0: roll us over. Yeah, it, it feels like they're pouring cement on the rest of the table. And it's like, <laughs> it's going to take a little bit to settle in. But once it does, then you're stuck. And the Lord of Hundreds is going to run the show.
1: I think that's actually very true because it can be very tough to get an entrenched Lord of the Hundreds like out of an right. area. Like Once they have it, it's just rats all the way down. Like you're yeah. not. <laughs>
2: <laughs> a waterfall of rats was a very visceral description.
0: Yeah, that's what it feels like. And I, I get it like threat level yellow. I think threat level to win the game yellow. Mm. Threat level to your stuff is a, a bright red. They are going to come and burn your house down. On a turn by turn basis, they kind
2: of feel like a, a threat level red yeah. because they are a constant I was gonna say threat. <laughs> they're a constant uh, malicious force, right? Mm-hmm. And they can generally generate, like, if if their engine's going right, they can generate a ton of warriors, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But, but the thwarting mechanism of stopping oppression—how easily that is—and also, like, they have to compete with other people to go get through the cardboard. Is that is that why they're they're yellow? Is it just because it's so gradual?
0: Yeah, it's not easy to stop them from scoring oppression points. But it is easy to prevent them from swelling very fast. Right. right. You can slow them down. Which, if you're going against cement, that's what you need.
1: It's almost like chip damage. Yeah. Is like that's the thing that's almost the most effective against the Lord of the Hundreds because it's like they're gonna score points no matter what. Mm-hmm. But it's always a slow drip. It's like a gerbil drinking water. It's like, you can't, you can't ever give them access to, like, a pool of water. You got to make sure that it's, like, interrupted by a ball bearing. You know what I mean?
0: Wait for Kyle's gerbil faction where they operate on a water mechanic. But if you go too fast, then we don't actually know. We don't actually know. But he's still working on that part.
2: It depends. How many plastic balls do you have in your inventory? Because right that yeah. means can you travel?
0: <laughs> All right. Let's talk about what the... Lord of Hundreds needs, and how to deny them. All right, i went I went pretty in depth here because I felt all these in a very real way this week. First, I uh, first thing we need is items, okay? Just to review, the Lord of Hundreds has two tracks that they fill items with, their command and their prowess. All right? And uh, certain items go on certain tracks. We'll talk about it. Uh, but the point is, the more items you got, the more actions you have. And those actions are almost exclusively moving and battling, okay? Um, and it's best to have multiple of the same items because as you collect items, you do lose options for certain moods, okay? So every item's another action in most cases because there is a part of the track where you get two and then two for your next item. Uh, But in order to oppress the clearings, they need to keep pace with the table. They will certainly need to craft, loot, and or mob the ruins in search of these items. Okay? So, know that when you craft an item, you are potentially putting a target on yourself. Because the Lord of Hundreds is going to come over there and loot it from you.
2: So, I kind of had a more positive outlook to crafting. Which was that, well, if I craft something, instead of fighting me, he's going to loot me. Loot, as an action, doesn't do hits anymore, right? So it doesn't necessarily hurt your stuff. Rolled hits, I should say, specifically.
0: Right. Yeah, that's the thing, is even with a wrathful mood, they could Mm -hmm. be dealing hits to you. Also, they could loot you for one of their four battle actions. One of their many, many battle actions. (laughs) So, like, the idea that they're traveling to your clearing is bad news, because they want to be in clearings where nothing is. Mm -hmm. Um, So... This is this is why crafting can be dangerous. We'll talk about what items you might be able to get away with, because that's a little bit more specific here. It's not just like all items are bad in general. You're giving them more actions, but maybe shutting down certain moods is a good idea and you can kind of bait them into making that trade off. So how are we denying them these items? Well, we could not craft and we could kill all their mobs, right? Obviously, the best strat for denying items is just not crafting them. And if they try to use mobs to uncover the ruins and it won't throw off your whole game to deal with them, you can take out that mm, cardboard, right? Assuming it's not, like, heavily defended. Again, like, don't kill yourself to do it. Like, it's an item from the ruins. Who cares? However, the warlord can still craft themselves using their strongholds. So we want to pay attention to the placement of their strongholds knowing which items that are associated with those suits and which moods that those, suit, those items will eliminate. For instance, if they only have strongholds in fox clearings, this will limit the moods of wrathful, bitter, and stubborn, and those are three-fourths of the battle-focused moods. In fact, you can really break down the three categories of fox, rabbit, and mouse Items, meaning they cost those crafters to craft that item. Mm -hmm. Like the sword, the hammer, and the crossbow are all fox items. And all of those moods have to do with battle. Jake, tell me about Wrathful.
2: Wrathful, as an attacker in battle with your warlord, deal an extra hit when looting. You do deal this hit.
0: This is a good one. This is, I think, probably the second best mood. Maybe third. It's really good. And so, crafting a sword or seeing that they have only fox crafters here is going to shut down their battle moods, assuming they take the sword. Right? Um, let's talk about Bitter. Bitter.
2: In battle with Warlord, before the role, place one warrior in the battle clearing per mob you choose to remove from the battle clearing and adjacent ones so that's saying if you remove a mob from the current clearing or one that's adjacent you get to place a warrior there right
0: per mob that you remove yeah
2: per yeah right
0: yeah so there's a strategy where you start out jubilant and you spread out all these mobs and then later you can use bitter to take out all the mobs and put them in there but it's a surprise thing and of note i watched a lot of nitro rev videos today and he was keen to point out that this works in defense so you can see that like Uh, that warlord who's just like chilling out there, lightly defended. You might think, oh, I'm going to do the table of favor, take out the warlord. But if they have a bitter mood, they could remove all the mobs and set up a little defense for themselves.
2: That's an interesting use of removing your mobs if you know they're not going to do what they need you to, or they're going to get sniped. Right.
0: The last, uh, Fox one is stubborn.
2: Jake. Stubborn. In battle with your warlord, you
0: ignore the first hit you take. That's also an incredible one. Of note, all of these Fox ones we just talked about, Wrathful, Bitter, Stubborn, are all also associated with prowess, okay? Which is recruiting and advancing. So already you can see, if they are setting up strongholds in Fox clearings, and their plan is, you know, and if you're not going to craft any non-Fox items for them, and they are not letting those mobs uh, get to the ruins, and even still two of the items in the ruins are fox items. They are limiting their own battle mitigation and bonus potential. I I found that it's actually interestingly themed like this, right? Like all of those moods have to do with battle and then even the place the items go on your track are about recruiting and battling, Mm. okay? Uh, Conversely, we have the rabbit moods, okay? This is about just getting more stuff. Talk to me about Rowdy, Jake oh rowdy in evening draw one more card if your warlord's
2: clearing has three or more enemy pieces draw two more cards instead this is one of my favorites to start out with card draws are not plentiful and sometimes you need to get those strongholds down and that requires spending cards
0: yeah outside of like a crafted improvement or like some other way of acquiring cards kind of outside the normality of the faction. This is your only way of drawing multiple cards in a turn. Unless you're like taking the fairy or whatever, which on the lake map I was trying to do. But uh, Kyle is the crows kept. He's all, You always control the fairy. I will say that. In every game we play on the lake map, Kyle's like, I got the fairy.
1: I love the fairy. I think yeah. it's so good. It's I, so good. I will say, as Rowdy as an opening for Lord of the Hundreds is amazing because this faction struggles with card advantage so much. Uh, and because they discard so many cards to do everything that's important to them so in my mind if they choose to craft any of these rabbit moods to limit their ability to gain either cards or warriors we're talking about jubilant in a second to me that's like if they do that early on it's really going to be hard for them to go into that second gear where they're like chugging Mm -hmm. so I, i don't know maybe that means that crafting those Rabbit uh, items earlier in the game is a little bit of a safer idea than some of the other items.
0: Well, I, uh, yeah, well, let's hear about Jubilant first. Yeah, Jake hit us up with Jubilant.
1: After you incite your Warlord's
2: clearing, you may roll the mob die to place a mob, as described in your race step, up to four times.
0: Yeah, this is uh, a crazy big insight where you're going to be spawning a lot of mob tokens. So between these two rabbit moods, there's only two for the coins with rowdy and the boots with jubilant. um, You can get more cards or you can get more mobs with these moods, right? So if we're trying to shut them down, crafting coins to get them to not draw cards, maybe that's something. But I do feel like limiting their battle bonuses is going to be a a bigger check on them having to go out and expand and take new stuff. The card stuff, they're designed to be card poor, right? I experienced, especially in my second game, how poor you can truly be with cards because people kept stealing my cards with um, the Vagabond, uh, the Brigand uh, hireling. You,
2: you barely seem to need it in our game because you were never inciting and you only built like one stronghold. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't great. I was, I was crafting a lot of the items, but I wasn't paying attention.
2: Uh, well, no, no I'm, not, I'm not shading your, your, no, <laughs> your no, no play. I'm just saying you didn't seem to really need them to keep the army going.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, right? I, cards are not like as essential as they are to the lizards or the badgers or the moles, right? Your whole engine does not depend on them. Parts of your faction do.
2: The warlord needs them for inciting and for stronghold building, essentially, yeah?
0: And, well, there's one more thing. Well,
2: crafting, but I mean, I think that's it, right? Right,
0: right, and crafting, right. Uh, And so, also, these two rabbit moods deal with the command track, okay? Which is move, battle, and build, okay? So, if you don't want them to be able to battle with warriors that aren't associated with their warlord, or if you don't want them building a bunch of times... Then hurting their comm- making sure to not craft these rabbit ones, these command items is the way to go. But we've got one more, and that's the mouse <laughs> moods. And these have to do with extra actions. Jake, talk to me about relentless.
2: Relentless. This one is brutal. Whenever you advance your warlord, and both move and battle, you may move or battle with your warlord, parentheses like a half in advance.
0: Yeah. And this one's associated with the bag, one of the kind of, like, throwaway craft cards, I feel like. Everyone's like, ah, I guess I'll craft a bag. No one's excited. No one planned for it. Everyone just, like, happened upon crafting a bag. But I think that if you were playing against the Lord of the Hundreds, that maybe crafting a bag is the safest craft. Because... Best case scenario is they actually take it from you, and they can never relentless for the rest of the game until they <laughs> eventually uh, spill it out with lavish.
1: This trade to me seems fair because yes, you're giving them an extra command action, but you're taking away probably their strongest mood mm-hmm. in in return. So to me, it's an exchange instead of just a buff. Right. Uh, so yeah, craft a bag. It could be a defensive craft, actually.
0: And again, you're still going to have to deal with the heat of them coming over there. But, you know, you can be prepared for that. And w- what we'll talk about is they when they loot, they have to rule the clearing after the battle. So all the things we talked about with versus badgers where it's like, hey, save an ambush. What about armors? What about sappers could also be used to thwart looters? And then we've got one final uh, mood here that's associated with an item. We're not really going to go into lavish, uh, and that's grandiose.
2: Swap your advance the warlord step and command the hundred step.
0: Yeah, this one's associated with route T. Yeah, it's they tend to do this turn one, and then it's pretty situational going forward, grandiose. Uh, usually you use it to go in advance and take new territory, then immediately build in that territory is why you would use grandiose for the most part yeah this is not super important to lock them out of so what you are giving them is another advance every turn so even though it's two points i think holding off on crafting team might be advisable here
1: yeah um i mean we should maybe have the which track is stronger conversation okay now that we've got a sense of what the moods are and and what items they're associated with um our, our discord was it had some conflicting opinions, yeah, about which track is stronger, and it seemed like it kind of came down to a situational uh, thing. So while we're here being um, specifically vague,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, <laughs> we can just give you kind of a general idea of our impression of what it is, and it might be different for all of us. Um, Sam, I'm curious, as the person who's most recently played them, did you feel? Did you have a sense that one track gave you a significant advantage over the other?
0: I went in knowing that the prowess track was better. And now I don't think they're that different in terms of importance. I think you need them both. I underrated battling without my warlord. I would always think about the mood and like the cool bonus I was getting in marching across. And Kyle, you'd point out to me a couple times in the game, you're like, why didn't you just battle with those guys? And yeah. it's like, because I think about battling with the warlord and that's second and it's just like an order of operations thing so that's where my own play is at fault but i do think that it was because i was underrating the command track
1: it makes sense to favor prowess if you are primarily focused on the warlord and where the warlord is which i don't know maybe there's a faction mix where that's very important where you need just like a fist to punch through uh Like, a a very defended clearing or something. And you're like, oh, I just need more prowess so I can get my, like, ball of rats up and running. Because the thing about prowess is, yes, it's actions, but it's also recruiting. Yep. Command can give you recruiting by building strongholds as well, so it's... You can kind of get to similar results, just one's a little more distributed across the board, and the other's more, like, concentrated. I wonder if this has to do with the faction mix. Maybe I just don't have enough information to definitively say for... Per faction mix, which one to prioritize? Uh, but to me, I think like command early game seems pretty valuable because like building some uncontested strongholds early on can make a big difference from what I've seen
0: i I think what I think I might be leaning more to command right now, and it's because the way to check this faction. Is to keep popping stuff into the clearings they've already taken to force them to retake. Yeah. And that is actually easier to do with your command actions, assuming you've built up some strongholds and stuff. Like you've got a couple strongholds, you a couple clearings with three or four rats each. You know, you can you can easily use your command battles to take back those clearings, and then you still have the advance to try to take new stuff. Whereas even if, if, you ha- if you have, even if you
2: haven't built the strongholds, though, right? Because that was in your case, you had rats everywhere. That's mm-hmm. how you got your oppression, and it was just a single rat. And that's what that you used command to deal with them in those cases, right?
0: And like using advance to like do a, like a tour of your own territory to clean it up is just basically taking the same turn you did last time. And as we know with root, you want your turns to get better and score more points. So I'm mm-hmm. leaning command at okay. this moment but i know we'll that we'll leave it open yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we'll see but yeah, we interpret of, it we are kind of veering into like the hundreds guide but we are trying to beat them um so just knowing which track is stronger is obviously helpful so that when we're crafting items we can be very cognizant or more importantly when we're not crafting items
2: just like badgers knowing how to beat them requires knowing how to play them a little bit yeah. right and we talked so much about the badgers mechanics two episodes ago so we're going to be doing that a lot today too i had never i appreciate you putting the um items in their crafting categories and then further consolidating those categories as to like what they're effectively doing i never thought to do it that way and that's actually a really helpful thing to see here's the thing about like the advice of just don't craft though is you got two other players who are probably gonna craft. <laughs> like I saw this advice pop up on the discord a couple times and it has also just in the world. and it's like, well, okay, but still when we get down to play the game, I had coins in my hand and like Kyle was the f- he crafted master engravers on his first turn. like he he had a plan to craft. <laughs> yeah. So it's not gonna not happen just because the warlords are in the game. People are still gonna draw coins or draw T and be like, well, this is gonna happen right?
0: Yeah, I saw people likening it to, well, just don't buy from the otters. Right. And it's like, yeah, well, except for the last person probably should, right? Right. Um, and, but I do think you just have to understand what you're giving that faction. I think that's the rule, and a sly player knows when to break it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, like, you know, the the kind of rabbit ones, like, unfortunately, like coins, the thing you want to craft, uh is just going to give another command action and take away like one of the moods. that's like, fine. The card one, you know, like, right. It's a good mood, but it's not, it's pivotal to their strategy. Uh, uh, jubilant with the boot, whatever. T is also like, Oh, well they probably already did grandiose in their opening or they're probably not like, it's very situational that mood. So T is another great item to craft. Unfortunately, it just gives them an extra prowess. Without really taxing their moods. So, so that's just things to be cognizant of. That's their right. first need
2: and how to deny <laughs> yeah. them. That was a big one, though. Like, admittedly, we took a long time with that, but oh, like, yeah. that's a huge, important one to understand. Yeah.
0: For sure. You thought that one was big. Here we go. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> we got the need of empty slash lightly populated clearings. Okay. In order for the oppressed to trigger, right, there can be no enemy pieces in rat clearings. So, Naturally, like a water conforming to its container, the warlord is going to lead the hundreds into the forgotten clearings of the board unless an amount of, mm, cardboard, is going to make it worth their trouble, right? So I've got a solution to this situation where they're going to come into these lightly defended and empty clearings, okay? And it's called the buddy system, okay? <laughs> you might think the answer to they need empty clearings, is to bulk up your personal warrior count, much like the Badgers, right? However, the hundreds player, especially by the mid-game, is most likely to have the battle actions they need to completely uproot one player from a clearing. Like, even if you got, like, a good stack, you know, I'm thinking, like, a moles-defended clearing, the Lord of the Hundreds might have three battle actions with a bonus hit on each of those battles. Like, you can't do that. So... If there are multiple factions in one clearing, however, that means that they will have to do battle against multiple players, right? Increasing the possibility of being ambushed or getting a bad roll, okay? So I did, I crunched some numbers here, folks. There's a 25% chance when the warlord rolls the dice, right? Or anyone, really. Um, I'm assuming no mood and mitigation here, right? Just pure rolls. There's a 25% chance that you'll deal one or less hits, okay? Because there's a 75% chance you score two or more hits, right? So, if there is a clearing with two enemy warriors from two different factions, then there's a 50% chance that they will fail to take the clearing in two battles, right? There's a 50% chance that one of those rolls will be one or less, okay? Uh, We're Mm -hmm. assuming there's no, like, extra hits here. Yeah, now, you compare that to a faction with f- one faction having four warriors, okay? Same amount of warriors, but we just have it on one player instead of two players. So things start to change here, because even though the dice of, the o- of odds of whiffing are the same, right? It doesn't matter who you're going against. The dice don't lie. The odds of success are actually better, because you have a 43% chance of dealing three hits, a result that gains you nothing when there's two players with two warriors, OK, that means if you do get the 43 percent chance of dealing three hits, then you have a near certainty of getting at least one hit. You have like 75 percent chance of getting one hit on that. Oh, oh, oh way more than that, actually. It's like yeah, it's way more 93 yeah. percent <laughs> or something. Right. Um, So it's a much bigger chance. If you roll that three on that first battle against one player, you have basically got the clearing. And last you roll the dreaded zero zero. So here's what I'm saying. Buddy system saves lives. (laughs) The point is, to have multiple people in a clearing makes that clearing way more unappetizing than just bulking up one person's warrior count.
1: Yeah, and this could serve as a deterrent psychologically as well. So, like, they may not even prioritize that clearing in the first place to go into if you've got two different factions there. Also, if you can recruit two factions in the same clearing in their back line, it's even more brutal because they have to spend those sweet command actions trying to get rid of two factions just from one clearing. It's super inefficient. It taxes all their actions in the right way. Uh, yeah, the buddy system, Sam. Who knew that friendship was the only way to defeat?
2: <laughs> I think you can get away with it with less than two buddies, like you said, Kyle. If, even if you just had one of each of them in the back line, that's two command they have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm not uh, prescribing having, like, two warriors. Right. I just did that for an example's sake to show, right. like, even with the dice rolling, like, It might seem like those are the same odds, but they aren't. Also, I I mentioned it, but, like, who's got an ambush, right? That's two hands of people that Mm -hmm, might have an ambush. mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. um, those are things to think about. Like that. Okay, so that is one way to check their need for empty or lightly populated clearings. The other one is little fires everywhere, okay? Uh, It's the same logic that we're taxing their actions, but it's more annoying for both players because this idea involves putting, like, a warrior or a piece in many hundreds clearings. So instead of like uh two and two in a clearing and being like, you're going to have to use your whole turn to take this clearing. I can just kind of, if it's easier like with the Corvids or the lizards to just kind of pepper them throughout, then this will cause them to do cleanup on their own turn and not take new ground similarly. Right. But it's just taxing their actions one at a time, having to figure out how to go there, how to go there. It's half, have- of one six dozen of another you know what i'm saying <laughs> so this strat is especially good for lizards crows and the woodland alliance sound familiar boys
2: the exact
0: matchup you face uh-huh and when you're playing with hirelings, sound familiar <laughs> uh and then corvid raids are especially brutal for these right. reasons this is where you throw those raid tokens and Again, I didn't realize how genius the raid tokens were because of how card poor the warlord is. Cuz usually I'm like just guess. You got all the cards, but if you have one guard and it doesn't match that clearing, you're screwed.
2: Yeah, not matching clearing is a pretty important facet that we kind of forget with exposure. Everybody's like, "Oh, exposure's such a big deal, but like if you don't have a card that matches the clearing, it doesn't matter."
0: Yeah, I mean, most factions do. Most fac oh, like at least by the time we're like trying to like stop a player i
2: suppose but a lot of half the factions want to use that car for something else yeah 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 you know rather than taking a roll of the dice against the crows yeah that's a whole nother conversation obviously but uh the point is is that the raids i thought really were destructive Mm -hmm. for like and actually they were less destructive so much as like really beneficial to the crows player and like makes them such a bigger threat
0: yeah yeah i i don't know how many of those like raid warriors kyle that you were able to like use for plots but i know it just made my life a nightmare
1: (laughs) yeah i mean just because it was getting crows away from the clearing where your warlord was or you were forced to kind of continually backtrack and form a loop with your advances and it's you're not really making progress if you're just kind of playing whack-a-mole in your own neighborhood just Driving in a circle.
0: And especially when <laughs> you finally whack a mole and that mole spawns five other crows. Uh, 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 there you go. All right. Uh, let's talk about a new need that they have. We've been talking about this. They're cards. Again, this isn't a strong need. Uh, they're not like that essential to the rat strategy, but because they only draw one, unless we go rowdy, they will be hurting for guards, right? And cards are their only source of building crafting and inciting uh mob tokens right so if they're down to one card they're only going to be able to do one of those three things one time so you can kind of look even just at their hand size and be able to tell what their potential is is, Mm. especially when it comes to those three things and it might be like a struggle for them they might have a card they want to craft or and they want to build a stronghold you know or maybe they're trying to incite this turn but they can't because you know so cards they need them any questions
2: <laughs> i mean you told me they didn't really need cards that much so i guess like do they
0: i i here's
2: the thing this you know, people go back and forth on this one i'm not trying to be yeah, simplistic no, no, no. about it but it feels like people are like well it's not that essential and then people are like it's very essential i feel like i've gotten a real mix of reviews and we outlined the three things inciting which you didn't do much in our game and you were fine stronghold building which you didn't do much of and you hurt because of it but you got away with it and crafting which honestly if they're doing the other two they might not necessarily need a lot of Mm -hmm. so what's the deal
0: yeah i it's tough in my second game that i played like i said somebody had the brigand And was able to steal cards from my hand. And they kept choosing me because it would hurt me the most. Yeah. Right. And it's fun to watch me squirm. I get it.
2: I will say, like, having a card is essential. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, they don't need a bunch of cards, but
0: being without a card is brutal. Okay. Okay? That makes sense to me.
2: Yeah. Because they get one draw besides Rowdy. Right. Permanently.
0: Right. So there are three ways we can deny them having card wealth one is to craft coins and hope that they loot it and they will lose rowdy okay so that will turn off their ability to draw multiple cards in one turn so they'll have to save up if they want to build two strongholds or incite twice or whatever right yep another is sympathy slash extortion slash brigand slash stand and deliver slash thief okay (laughs) all of these things actually take cards away from your hand okay this is what can be super brutal And then the last thing you can do is hit their strongholds. And it doesn't automatically take away a card, but they will have to spend a card if they want to replace that building. So if you're looking to attack their hand, and I would only really think about that being a problem or that being like a real option to put them into check if they have very little cards. You know, if they have three cards, I don't think you, I think it's like they, they have cards. Like, I don't know if you need to go after their card wealth, really.
2: You're saying it won't mitigate them enough. Like, right. them having a lot isn't a big deal. Them having one is enough for them.
0: Well, yeah, it's an opportunity to eliminate three things that the faction can do. All right, so those are their needs and how to stop them. Any questions?
2: i mean no questions i feel like uh that like how to stop the warlord is is less about like you're really stopping their rampage it's more of like you're stopping their rampage from being as effective right yes it's it's an inevitable thing that they're going to be moving around and making fires you can mitigate it as best you can through these options
0: yeah you can stop them from having their board presence get out of control we've been talking like if you think about Badgers or Woodland Alliance, you're really hoping that their scoring doesn't get out of control. Mm -hmm. But with the Warlord, we're really hoping that their action economy, warrior count, and board presence doesn't get out of control because they will be able to claw the leaders, at least, out of contention and still gain points in the process, right? One of the best parts about Root is when you attack someone, you can gain points by doing it. And the (laughs) Warlord... doesn't get a lot of points from their natural engine and they have to, to kind of supplement it with a lot of mm 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 cardboard. All right. All right. So countercrafting. We I, I don't know why we included items on this list except for this one <laughs> in the Vagabond guide. We've but, already
2: had, we've already had that discussion. But yeah. like it is yeah. Well, we don't need to go over it again.
0: But this one actually matters. Uh because if you I I, I think bags are safe. Like, I would rather the warlord not be able to be relentless. And honestly, if I'm real, swords is a decent trade off.
2: So, here's the question, though. Like, when you're looking at what the items do for their prowess and command tracks, where do you consider it the threat? Is it the threshold of the next number? Or, like, I mean, that's the thing of like, yeah, okay, give them a bag, but what if they've already got a T and a coins? Like, uh, then a bag's not necessarily cool anymore, right? Mm. Well, maybe that example might not be perfect, but you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah, I know it's like it kind of depends on their engine a little bit, not necessarily of like, well, oh, well, I'm shutting down this mood. It's like, well, what what's it contributing to their actions?
0: Yeah, um, yeah, it's tough. I think that I'm very glad that relentless is a bag mood, which means it goes on the command track mm-hmm. because having an extra prowess and relentless <laughs> is bad news.
2: Look. You, but you just said command is worse, like I thirty did minutes ago. Oh, you, you mean you more important, right?
0: I said command was more important.
2: More—that's what I mean.
1: Is, but that's is more important thing. for the I warlord.
0: Yeah, I said they were but pretty I, I even. Mean, but
1: yeah. I will say, like the A one aggression threat from the warlord is relentless because it's so efficient Mm -hmm. right and because it allows you to like double tap a clearing Mm -hmm. yes and you don't have to battle the same opponent in the same clearing twice using relentless it even if you are using the buddy system relentless can undo it right it's the swing mood it's the
2: mood Mm -hmm. that can really change the difference of the game Right. right right
1: okay and they can also spike some points from cardboard or get into a critically good position take over something central like when the warlord is looking to gain a foothold or push into the map or king slay, the mood of choice is going to be relentless uh, right, but, but what I'm saying is is like I feel like people just as highly value if not
2: more value the uh, the um addition to their action economy necessarily than stopping of the mood. I know those are mm. two both factors and they're both valuable factors, but like if, if there's a threshold right of like they have a certain amount, we can't give
0: them more well. I'd say in the instance of crafting a bag and Relentless, mm-hmm. if you think about it, Relentless gives you an extra move or battle with your Warlord during the Advance the Warlord step. Mm-hmm. If you craft a bag, it gets them an extra move, battle, or build during the Command step. Yeah. So I think it's a pretty even trade-off in terms of actually what they're gaining. Now I get it. The command is every turn and at best relentless is every other turn. But I do think that relentless as a mood is one of the best tools in their toolkit.
2: Okay. Mm -hmm. And so
0: having them not have access to that. And again, like they can make the choice not to take the bag, but then all the more reason why you should have crafted it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then I think the trade-off with swords is good too, because you get two points for the sword. That's good. And then you, if they want to take it, yes, they will get an extra prowess, which is an extra recruit and an extra advance, but at least their advance won't have an extra hit with it. Which, Mm. if I'm going to be real, is my second favorite of the moods. It's Relentless than Wrathful. Um, I love dealing extra hits. It feels good. I can attack. uh, Jake, I went after you as the Woodland Alliance with them. Oh,
2: you killed two of my bases in one turn.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It was was brutal. Yeah. I want Ken Burns to make a documentary about it. It (laughs) It
0: It's crazy. Ken Burns' root documentary would be super subtle. (laughs) That would be so fun. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some crafted improvements. Um, ironically, I found way more in the base deck that helped counter the the Warlord than I did in the EMP deck. Y'all are welcome to scan through the EMP deck really quick and see if you can find anything that specifically goes against the Warlord. Um,
2: Is this because you did a lot more like hit factor cards? Yeah. I feel like base deck is a lot more like plus one hit, plus minus one hit or prevent hit kind of situations. Yeah, right? there's
0: there's a few of those and a couple different ones here. Um so first armorers, Jake.
2: Armorers in battle may discard this to ignore all rolled hits taken.
0: Yeah, so we're gonna need some defense because uh this rat king is is horrible, okay? So you can either have it as a deterrent, have it as I need to protect my stuff. Or I did talk about how it can counter looters. If they're coming at you with looters, then they're not going to deal any rolled hits anyway. You're going to deal the hits back. And then if they try to get cute and uh, and then take you out of that clearing, you've got armorers ready to go. Uh, next up, we have uh, an interesting one, cobbler.
2: Cobbler, at the start of evening, you may take a move.
0: So this, I think, is a really smart craft to counter the Lord of Hundreds, because you get a free move action. And that doesn't inherently do anything, except for you can just take one of your warriors that's not doing a lot and boink them into a clearing so that the warlord has to take an action there. And you didn't have to do anything outside of your faction's normal action economy. What do y'all think?
1: I love this. I think this is such a smart craft. Yeah, I mean, you just get a free chance to disrupt the scoring mechanism. And, I mean, I'm I'm not sure if we've, like, Really had a chance to go deep on this but one of the ideas behind sending a solo like spy into warlord territory is to force them to spend those actions away from clearings you actually care about mm-hmm. and so to deflect that kind of attention away cobblers just an excellent craft it's a great way to do it and yeah. you get to do it for free
0: all right i got another one that's i don't know we haven't really talked about this one a lot in the versus guides i got code breakers jake oh
2: okay Codebreakers. once in daylight may look at another player's hand
0: so usually we don't rate this card very much because like what you're gonna look at five cards and like what maybe they have an ambush like there's not a lot you're gonna be able to glean you're not gonna be like oh they're definitely doing this however the warlord is gonna have very few cards most of the time maybe even just one card And so being able to know exactly what that card is, (laughs) their entire hand, I mean, I guess you get to look at the whole hand no matter what it is. But like, knowing that like, if it's a rabbit card, being like, they can only build in a rabbit clearing this turn. Or they can only incite in a rabbit clearing this turn. Or I know they're not going to be crafting this turn.
2: And you're going to instantly share that information at the table, I assume, right? Of course, of course. I got a lot of shade for sharing information from Mr. Kyle over there on our game. Oh every wait. time every time I saw what Kyle's hand was when he was uh, outraged and but didn't have the card to give me, I mentioned what the card was. He's like, oh, just sharing table information for free. He <laughs> just had to make sure I had a receipt for what I did, the cost <laughs> I paid by doing that.
0: Yeah, I thought that was a good. Uh, when we're trying to stop the leader, I really appreciated oh, yeah. you just letting everybody know what Kyle's I hand was. To, look at Kyle. Look what he's doing, you guys. His Master
1: Engraver's turn one. We got to talk. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, what else can I do in that situation? But <laughs> that being said, I do feel like it it made people think twice about working with you during that game. Oh, did it?
2: No. No. <laughs> I'll have to ask Matt, but I don't think they cared about me. The Woodland Alliance they weren't nine like,
0: points or that whatever. That guy's not trustworthy. I'm not going to vote for him. He's a flip-flopper. He, sh- he told us what Kyle had. What a scoundrel. <laughs> no narcs in Woodland War Machine. <laughs> All right. Uh, I got one that I'm excited to mention. Stand and deliver, Jake. Ooh,
2: stand and deliver. If you can craft it. <laughs> Sand and Deliver in Birdsong may take a random card from another player. That player scores one point.
0: Yep, so they don't score points at a rapid rate, so I'm not too worried about the point that they're getting. And taking away their only card, let me tell you, folks, it sucks. So, so rough. You're not, like, operating without a whole arm or something, but you are, like, missing three fingers, I'd say, <laughs> when you don't have any cards in your hand as the Warlord. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty brutal. So if you want to... Prevent the Warlord from building new strongholds, gaining new items, and inciting Stand and Deliver. Again, show me the receipts. Show me someone crafting it. You will get a star. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Sappers.
2: Sappers, in battle as Defender, may discard this to deal an extra hit.
0: Right. So when we're talking about being looted, you can discard this to deal a hit. And if you couple this with an ambush, you might be able to prevent the looting altogether. Because they won't rule the clearing at the end. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah, good combo. Yeah,
1: I feel like we always talk about this card. It's well, just such a low key good card.
0: Yeah, is it? Yeah, I know that like people don't rate it, and it's probably better as a bird card.
1: Well, I would say I would say that's why it's good. It's easy to craft. It is also a bird card. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You are right. You are right.
1: And you can get that surprise factor going.
0: Mm-hmm. Visual deterrence, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know if anyone's ever stopped their plans because of Sappers, you know? It's never made me pump the brakes. <laughs> sure. Yeah,
1: you're not like looking over there like, man, I would be winning this game if it weren't for that.
0: Sappers! Okay, that is that's a mega challenge. If you can show me a game that teetered on sappers, I will Venmo you two and a half dollars. <laughs> that's my That's not a challenge of the week, because, again, the challenge of this week is to remember what last week's challenge was. But this is just kind of like a (laughs) macro ongoing challenge. If if your whole game teeters on sappers, I'll give you two and a half dollars.
1: Can you do it?
0: And if you're in a different country, I will adjust it to whatever currency it is. (laughs) Okay, I don't know how much yen that is, but I'm happy to give it.
1: So it may not be like the biggest deterrent force in the world but i i also think that like it would force me to really commit to a
0: combat uh and then that's all i got for the base deck and there's only one card that i've got from the emp deck and that's propaganda bureau
2: wait what do you mean you heard me wait false orders didn't make it
0: i mean It's good against everybody. I don't think it's specifically good against the Warlord. In fact, I might say that the Warlord is the least false orderable. Oh,
2: well, somebody's got to be it. Yeah, they they
0: tend they could have big stacks. Yeah. And moving them into a new clearing ain't that big of a deal. They have a a bunch of actions. They can recruit more rats. It just
2: right when you would use it, it'd be late in the game anyway. And then by then they're they're trouble no matter what.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could do it to, like, take them out and then take out their strongholds. That's a good use, but it, it doesn't feel specific to them, I guess. I know? just
2: I want to say I'm proud of you for not doing false orders in one of these. This is great. It feels it, good.
0: It's a good card. You should use it against the warlord, but it, it, you don't need us to tell you that And this guy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Propaganda Bureau once in daylight may spend a card to remove an enemy warrior from a matching clearing and place a warrior there.
0: Hey, if you got a lot of cards to spare, then this is just a, a thorn in the warlord side here. Just throwing, you're just popping little, little warriors that are interrupting a press all in their back line. It's
2: interrupting. I mean, stopping a press, right? Because you presumably their back line is one rat there. So then you don't even like have any presence in that clearing. Then it's going to be a move and a battle.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. If, if, if the clearing just has a solo rat, that's a great one to do. Which
2: is pretty common in yeah. rat games.
0: Yeah, it depends on how many warriors they got. I mean definitely in our game I was I did not prioritize strongholds in a smart way. And I didn't have mobs to then like use uh what is it? What's the mood where I can do it? Jubilant to spread them, or Bitter to turn them into warriors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't spread a lot of mobs and then Bitter them to turn them into warriors. I was pretty warrior-poor most of that game.
2: I feel like Bittering them into warriors isn't a super common tactic. It's really
1: about the stronghold. You have to be really well-positioned, and there could be, like, a... I haven't seen it used too frequently, but there could be a two-turn combo for them, Mm -hmm. Jubilant followed by Bitter. But only if those mobs, like, stay on the board, and, like you know you would want to do that in a place where you'd benefit from having a bunch of warriors of one clearing so it's it's not at all it's not the simplest play to no. see pulled off
0: anything I'm forgetting from exiles and partisans cuz i eliminated i want to make another pitch yeah
1: um i really thought that cobbler was like a genius yeah insight from the base deck and i think the kind of you know s- diagonally adjacent card in enp is uh eerie emigre Whoa. i think that's another free way to push into warlord territory maybe even you know weaken an area um if you see those you know solo warriors that are just holding down an entire clearing by themselves and you can march in and take it out i mean you're you know again it's chip damage you're taking away their ability to score those oppressed points and killing their engine
2: Just so you have it, Eerie Emigre, at the end of Birdsong, take a move, then initiate a battle in the clearing you moved into. If you did not take both actions, discard this card and take off the necklace.
0: (laughs) And I want to push back a little on Eerie Emigre because I think because you have to do it, you don't get to choose to not move and battle and discard the card. You must do it. And so in a game where there's a faction with a ton of warriors, a ton of moves and a ton of battle actions... You are stretching yourself thin and getting into extra battles. I think like you know lowering your own warrior count could be could be scary. I hear what you're saying, especially picking off those straggling ones. I think you're right, but the fact that you have to do it every turn means you might accidentally spread yourself a little thin, and that's what the warlord's looking for. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it. I think it's a be careful, but I think it deserves a shout. I think it. I think you're right. I do think it's a good graph for the hundreds. Yeah, for the hundreds. <laughs> yeah. you might really well, good you're moving them. in battle yeah. and you might as yeah, well do yeah, it then. Yeah. 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 Uh okay. Folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah you might have a rad problem. If the Lord of Hundreds is generating four or more warriors every turn. Dear mm. Lord. And that's not hard. That's like kind of like the early mid game. <laughs> you know two
1: strongholds, two prowess. Yep. That means one item and two strongholds. They can have that by turn one. Yeah. Turn two. Yeah. Yeah. Not turn one. I think
0: you can turn one. Really? Uh, yeah. I, you, I
1: feel like you'd have to get pretty
0: fortunate. I think I did on my first turn of my second game. I, really? I grandiosed oh. into a clearing, crafted with my initial stronghold, and discarded two cards to build.
1: Wow. Because I was wow.
0: like, I'm going to have like this big opening... But I ended up crafting, I think it was like, it was a bag or a, or a sword. It was like one of the good ones. And it wasn't a sword because it had to have been one and it was a mouse. So it was a bag. Yeah. So I got rid of relentless turn one, but then had a good warrior count. So I don't know. Anyway, when they are generating a lot of warriors, it's a problem because no one can keep up with that level of recruiting uh, it, it, at least that flexibly. Like the birds can get up to that. The moles can get up to that eventually. It's but different
2: with the warlord, though. The crows yeah. can do it instantly, right? The crows can do it, well, but they yeah. spend a card. And those crows don't do the same thing what the rats do, right? right? A warrior is not a warrior across factions. Right. And a warrior, especially grouped up in the hundreds, <laughs> that adds up real quickly.
0: Yeah. You also might have a red problem if they have two to three actions on both prowess and command and especially you might have a problem if those items are the same because they are only (laughs) losing one mood right if they have two coins then they only lose rowdy and they still have all those actions so when you're looking at them having two or three items in those columns it's they're online they are ready to 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 kick oh, on ass both and take them. names and they're all done taking names <laughs>
2: <laughs> on both tracks that's terrifying that's yeah. like your problem you should have noticed it two turns ago i would say it's it's probably two actions on both is scary right
0: yeah the thing is is that two and three items on the same track is the same amount it's the of the same actions. threshold yeah, yes yeah,
2: that's yeah. fair but like once they get to two on both that's just like uh, enough online right Yep, yeah,
0: they're online it's a problem Uh, Yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen early because you want to make them a problem. They will be a problem. It's just a matter of pushing that as late into the game as possible. You might have a rat problem if they have access to relentless, wrathful, and stubborn going into the late game. If they've got all their battle buffs, it's such a problem. You better have an answer. You better have some defensive cards crafted. You better be holding on to an ambush or have a plan for what you're going to do because the hurt is going to come fast and swift (laughs) in every subsequent turn. Okay.
2: I, I mean, we've talked about this. Relentless is just like their superpower, right? Yeah. Wrathful and Stubborn are fantastic, obviously, but like Relentless allows them to do what they need to before you realize they could do it. Mm-hmm. So them having that at twenty three points allows them to get to thirty. You have to be careful.
1: Yeah, yeah I sense. will say I think so. The one method for the warlord to regain these superpowers is yeah. to use the lavish mood to pitch items, right? right? And they actually they get warriors for getting rid of these items, which yeah. can be a nice like boost going into the end game. Mm-hmm. But Lavish takes a full turn to, like, use, and then you gotta wait till your next turn to, like, switch the mood. Uh, So, to my mind, it's like, if you can craft that bag early in the game, and they go for it, I think tempo-wise, it's just gonna be pretty tough for the Warlord to, like... Uh you know, try and turn it back around in in the end game. It's so and, funny. And and once they are going to, like, you can see it a mile away, right? Like you know what they are doing as mm-hmm. soon as they pick lavish. You're like, okay, you're gonna dig relentless back and mm-hmm. um you know, stock up in your warrior. So like code red. Get him. <laughs> it's so funny to be scared of a relentless
2: warmonger who's rampaging the land, but when you found out he picked up the Jan Sport that your buddies crafted
0: <laughs> and he's like Oh, well, he's not that dangerous anymore. <laughs> I shall <laughs> relent, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's wild, yeah, we always talk about with the vagabond, like you' like, do you bring a whole army and they do maximum hits, and they're like, "I guess I'll get rid of this bag, you know it's it's <laughs> wild how important bags are in this woodland war game very true he's the
2: james bond of the forest like none of the henchmen can hit him right all the right. arrows go sailing past him and then he's like oh i got a hole in my bag that's a shame
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right you might have uh, i've ran out of voices a rap problem <laughs> i've done so many verses guides uh you might have a rap problem if they need to expand and you are in a clearing alone <laughs> We're looking at the late game, and it's like, oh, I guess I have four cats and three buildings here. Well, that's probably going to be worth it for them to punch through all those cats, you know? Um, So definitely late game is where the buddy system really... If you want to be protected, you tell people to come over to your place for a couple turns. Yeah, know? but
2: even that won't necessarily do it. The thing was is like I as the alliance, I had was in a real catch 22 in our end game because I everything I need to do to get points involves putting cardboard Yeah. down. And like you guys ate up cardboard constantly. It was yeah. a real conundrum because I needed to do it, but I also didn't need to feed you points and not me not doing it guaranteed I wouldn't win, but mm-hmm. then it also fed you. So I don't know what to do about that. Like uh, sometimes you have to, right? Is it is that you expand away from the warlord? You also, I will say, talked me into expanding towards you because I didn't want to give him to Kyle, who was going right. to win first.
0: Yeah. Well, it didn't work. Kyle won. Um, no, but like, what? <laughs> okay, but what do you
2: do as that person? Like, I mean, yeah, you need, yeah, in this situation, how do you? prepare for this
0: yeah i mean this has always been the thing usually like the eerie used to be the thing where it's like oh they're going to come up and clean up all the cardboard like does the woodland alliance like take a suboptimal turn to make sure that the leader doesn't win but then the woodland alliance isn't in a good position yeah to th- you
2: won't talk the alliance of anyone into into it here's my yeah. question is you have a problem as a section is it too late it feels like half of these are too late to do anything about like well, two to some, three
0: some of these aren't like having them having access to these moods, you literally can't do anything about.
2: I know. But like, is it too late to bring it up to the table? Like uh, you might have a problem implies that, Hey, we all need to talk about this. Right. But like, if you are in some of these situations, it might be too late with the, with the warlord. Yeah. How do we differentiate?
0: I I think, I think it comes down to tempo. You might not have to point out if they have a problem, if, if they're not gonna win but like when you're the person who's gonna win and you need to throw some heat on somebody yeah. else you're I like guess, look yeah. at the moods that they have access yeah. to you're gonna have to like do everything you can you know i think that's what
2: i'm saying is like i feel like maybe we have a problem slightly earlier than half of these their ability to get unstoppable feels faster than some factions i mean not maybe not faster but um steeper uh accelerates i, more. I,
0: I think it's like more reliable. Sure, sure. Like they will get they to will that accelerate, point. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like like Kyle said, like oh, how easy is it to do four plus warriors on one turn? And we talked about it. I did it on my first turn. So it's like, when is it okay. a problem? It's like they're they're a problem. So and they're doing that, yeah. So okay, I, that I makes think sense. I think about the you have a problem section. Like we need to check them. Yes. yes. So if they are getting that many warriors, we need to be peppering their backline with single warriors or budding up in clearings to prevent them from expanding um and then my last you might have a problem ever is (laughs) you might have a problem if you can't battle mobs Mm, and i've got a fun um, misprinted lizard picture here in the guide um just because like poor matt he'd see those like raid tokens or sympathy tokens or mobs and just be helpless as the lizards thankfully
2: Thankfully, no one really actually ever really hit him really too hard with those. No. Because I I never had the cards and the supporters to do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't doing mobs, but gardens are especially flammable.
2: Right. Uh, But if you can't battle mobs, then they just can go unchecked. And if at the end of their turn, they're still going, there's a chance for them to spread. So you're just saying like you just can't let the fires get out of control?
0: Yep. 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 Got to keep them in line. So speaking of checking, let's talk about how to check the Lord of Hundreds. And there's a lot of things you can do at setup, okay? (laughs) A lot of things you can do just when setting up the game to give yourself a better shot here. Play with five players, okay? (laughs) They have to rule clearings alone. Well, if there's more players, that's going to be a harder task for them. Playing with the Vagabond? I don't think that this... I think originally I thought, oh, finally, the Vagabond and the Warlord, like, they hate each other. Like, they're an ultimate counter. And in some ways, that's true. They're both going for the Ruin items they That's another faction that the Warlord can't loot. Uh, but the Vagabond isn't going to be in multiple clearings. They can't really take up space. However, they can't really be removed from a clearing either. So if they go into the Warlord's back line, they might take a bunch of punches, but they will stop that clearing from being oppressed.
2: Dude, the Vagabond's the worst for the hundreds. They take all the items so much faster than you can.
0: Yes, especially if you set up
2: before first. them. They're like, oh, is that where you're going to be? I'll be over here. It's quicker.
0: No Even matter if what. they go second, you go, here's my mob token. They go, oh, OK, slip, slip. Get over here. Pick that. <laughs> the you worst. Know. No, yeah. yeah,
2: they are such a hard counter. And if the war, let I me mean, the- as the Vagabond player, you know to go do that quickly. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know that you are in competition with the Warlord. If you can shut them down, that's just two left players left to finish off.
0: But I don't think that the Vagabond gets in the way of their scoring in a huge way.
2: I'm more interested in the whole five-player aspect. So you sit down for a four-player game and like, wait, hundreds is in this? Let me call over my buddy Cliff. <laughs> he needs <laughs> well, to ta- play, too.
0: We're talking about how to check, like we're talking yeah, about change the format when things are a problem you know? i know but maybe like we i should have always... said playing four players is a problem you Yeah, know what so
2: I mean? well sure, sure yeah i suppose i'm just saying we always are talking about you versus them plus two other players so yeah. I, I just gotta mention that it's a format change but yeah like yeah. you're right i love the simplicity of that it's like more people means more in the way and in the way is what they don't want right makes sense
0: Crows crows are a pretty big counter to the warlord. We've been talking about that all episode. Lizards. Uh, lizards can have a really interesting, mutually beneficial thing where they're, well, it's not mutually beneficial. It's just beneficial for the lizards, I guess. <laughs> um, they can plant the warriors in the clearings to interrupt a press, and then they get them as acolytes. Yeah. Provided they don't need those warriors to like hold on to their clearings desperately, which they usually do. But once you got like five, you know lizards in a rabbit clearing you can take those rabbit cards and and have them go off and interrupt the warlord and turn into acolytes
2: did matt use this against you much
0: uh yeah i think there were some converts uh that hurt me um and yeah once he had his clearings established he would throw the extra warriors my way
2: nice yeah. good job matt
0: and then hirelings uh particularly most of the promoted hirelings uh have pieces on the board and that's basically another player um and if you're not in control of those faction pieces then they are enemy pieces and that'll be a problem for you so those are just the things you can do when setting up the game to check the lord of hundreds okay in terms of actually playing the board game you can hit the strongholds we talked about how that's good because you're taxing cards from them you're preventing recruits monte cristo uh 24601 says this, and I think this is probably the quote, uh, uh, to understand how to check the rats here, getting the rats to spend most of their actions, reestablishing a press on clearings that they already had last turn keeps them from gaining more clearings as long as their item slash warrior count don't get out of control making them essentially take the same turn over and over again, especially in the early game, allows the table to get ahead on points and let the rats be the natural police force Ooh. later rather than an unstoppable juggernaut.
2: Dude, I love this advice. Yeah. Like, Not only are you like hamstringing them, but then you're forcing them to play the police, and they're right. great
0: police. Yes, we want them as the police. That's so good. I mean, that's what I had to do in our game. I know. Uh, yeah. I had to go, and I had to stop Matt, and then, you know, and then it was too late. <laughs> and then, uh, last way to check them is, I guess, kill the warlord. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's more doable
2: than you think, especially with an ambush card, and there's plenty of those in the deck. Like, you can surprise them
0: if you get the, calc- if you get the timing right. You prevent a, a couple of recruits one turn. I think early on, I thought that this was the way to check the faction. You have to get rid of the Warlord. And after playing it a few times, like, the turns I lost my Warlord, I felt bad because I made a mistake. But Uh I didn't feel like the consequence was the worst. I think, like, it was worse that I was inefficient with my turns. It was worse that people kept flooding my back line anointing a new warlord making carl the new warlord not that big of a deal because i still get a mood that turn i still get all those things so i uh,
2: there's a you I can anoint, even
0: choose where the warlord goes you that's know, maybe what's that's really that's what's good. nice is
2: you can choose where the warlord goes that's that's like the biggest benefit of that supposed like mitigation right right Sometimes if your engine's not up and running or if your strongholds have been sniped already and you manage to snipe the warlord, holy cow. Yeah. Then it's a real slow build back up. I feel like I yeah. got my warlord sniped at a really inopportune time and there was no hope of coming back, much less being a police force.
0: Yeah, your warlord is a key part of the whole thing. But, yeah, I think you're right, Jake. Especially if you don't have strongholds, then you really do need to keep yeah. that warlord alive. But mm. – um, or rather the perspective is – If they don't have uh, strongholds, then that's the best time to hit their warlord. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about special teams. I watched some Nitro Rev videos. I want to ask you all a question. Okay. What happens in a clearing? Okay. I need you to picture this. Listeners at home, close your eyes. What happens in a clearing where there is only a warlord and a stronghold and a vagabond? and the Vagabond attempts to strike with a crossbow. What happens?
1: <laughs> the uh, Stronghold gets hit or nothing happens?
0: Jake, what's your... Oh, name? the
1: Stronghold. I didn't even think about that.
2: I thought I was going to say nothing happens, but the Stronghold is interesting because the Warlord can't be moved right outside of battle, right? Is yeah, the, I think the Stronghold gets hit. That makes sense. I, I'm going to go with that.
0: Actually, nothing happens. <sighs> Oh. The the warlord shields the building and says, you'll have to come through me. And the vagabond pointing a crossbow goes, I, technically, I'm not allowed to do that with this crossbow <laughs> <laughs> because the warlord can only be removed in battle. And a strike with the crossbow is obviously outside of battle. Right. And, but they do have to remove warriors first and they can't remove the warrior. So the conclusion. here. Oh,
2: because he is a warrior.
0: Yeah, he is a warrior, but he can't be removed. So. They don't even get to snipe the building. I thought that was pretty interesting. That
2: makes sense. He has that flagon of mead. He just puts it up in front of the building. Yeah. (laughs) And stops it from hitting. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Uh, We talked about this a little bit. Ambush looters. Much like the keepers, when looting, the rats must rule the clearing at the end of battle. So an ambush, armors, partisans, sappers can have a profound effect on that battle. Nitro Rev says, uh, if if it hasn't already been said, and it hasn't, If the Warlord has a hammer and therefore can't use Bitter, uh, Bitter being the one where they can remove the mobs, don't remove their last mob token. Instead, try to trap it in your territory and farm the spreading mobs for easy victory points, provided that you have the action economy to do so. Obviously, if the mob would burn down your critical infrastructure and the Warlord could easily defend it, then think twice. But mob farming will make it easier to outrace the table little quote from nitro rev
2: sure this feels unlikely it feels like if there's one mob left people are just going to hit it (laughs) and if you are in the control of the area you probably have something that's going to burn right
1: Uh, there's a very clear analog to this which is when you remove all the cats from a clearing and there's just a lone sawmill left you leave it
0: because it it continues to generate
1: free Mm -hmm. tokens now it's going to be tough because undefended like going to take out tokens and yeah you might get them both but still it's gonna be worth more for you if you allow it to keep spawning tokens around right and maybe turn order would have something to do with that but yeah leaving one mob to just harmlessly spawn free points seems like a pretty good way to at least keep pace with the warlord if not totally outrun them because again you only need to score like two to three points to be completely dead even with the warlord on most turns Mm -hmm. right right so anything you can do to just like eke out one or two more per turn you're gonna be doing great
0: (laughs) yeah that's very true yeah they don't score a lot so if you can increase your scoring by one or two points you're right you're gonna outrace them these aren't these aren't racers these are cement pourers
1: Mm Hmm.
2: well I, i will add that they're 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 cement pourers that i mean that cement might creep up onto your buildings and your tokens like yeah (laughs) yeah as they did with me they buried two of my freaking bases as an alliance player so especially with with relentless and stuff regardless of their point situation they are destructive so you still have to be aware of their power in the end game even if you're not worried about their score
0: yeah in conclusion i like what you said here jake he's not that bad you got this
2: you got this Yeah, yeah yellow you're fine yeah just know that he's a tornado, and he's going to be rampaging all over the place, right?
0: Yeah. For me, it comes back to what Monte Cristo 24601 said, which is <laughs> making sure to get out ahead of them in points and force them to be the police force. Um, yeah. Obviously, in that scenario, you don't want to be the one in the very lead because you might feel the brunt of the warlord first. But
1: Don't be the criminal if you're going to uh, you know, promote the police.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: But yeah, if you just give them room to, like, get set up and do their thing, like, obviously they're going to do very well yeah, uh, for themselves. So, yeah, it's a little bit about prevention and it's a little bit about forcing them to play a role that they don't naturally want to. Right. And if you can, during your game, kind of maneuver the Lord of the Hundreds into that position, it's like the oppressive structure of the game of Root is going to do a lot of the heavy lifting for suppressing this faction.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh which is great. We want we want to be able to counter a faction without sacrificing our whole game and letting the other factions at the table run away with it, right? Yeah. So, this is this is a nice soft touch way to prevent. Um yeah, and clean up those mobs if they're by ruins. Just yeah. like do it.
0: <laughs> so, that's it for this uh week's episode. Thank you so much to our contributors. Um, all of these people helped on the Discord. And if you want to be one of these people that helps on the Discord, go ahead and join the Woodland War Machine channel on the Good Time Society Discord. We also have a Patreon. It helps support all the wonderful shows that uh, Good Time Society has. Two Player Tuesday. Uh, Sam plays Saturday. I'm just making <laughs> up shows,
2: it's a uh, new show
0: now. It's just me. I just play a multiplayer board game for playing for us. Yes. Oh, I love this. Oh, please
2: play root by yourself. I would love solitaire root for players.
0: I would, I would die. Um, (laughs) But I want to give a big shout out to Monte Cristo 24601, Nitro Rev, Sully INW, Garrick Samples Games, SP Shaman, Bot Bot, Lord of the Board, Roy Lee, Harriet, Endgamer1331, Walrus Law, Squid Mark, God I Love Pringles, PJ Dark R, Baby Man, Germ Curry, Easy Ray, JC, Face Killer, Ch- and Trippin' Grannies. Woo! Thank you so much. Yeah, I just
1: want to say Monte Cristo 24601, uh, Great name because it's combining the Count of Monte Cristo with John Valjean from Les Mis. So yeah,
0: I think in previous episodes I said (laughs) twenty four six zero one. Yeah, Uh, and I regret twenty four thousand six (laughs) hundred and one. Yeah, that's what I should have said.
2: (laughs) That's how many minutes are in a year?
0: Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Uh, Also, just to recap, show me a game that teetered on sappers, where sappers impacted the outcome of a game. Uh, any evidence of doing any of those things, please at me on the Discord, at Murder she Root, and you will get a prize. And if it's the Sapper's one, I have promised 2 dollars So You're
2: just going to Venmo them? $2. I and will $2. Venmo $2.
0: them in whatever. Why? It's, it, foreign currency is all good. I'll give you whatever you need. How many <laughs> right. Uh
1: Flash forward to next week, we're going to be asking you, how much did Sam bet? That he would give you if you came up with. <laughs> <laughs> in Ruples. Yeah. So if you're not already on our Discord, stop by the Good Time Society Discord Woodland War Machine channel. We got lots of great threads going, uh, including a great digital LFG, which is the best in the biz. Come hang out with people who are playing amazing games every single day on Root Digital.
2: Yeah, we're organ- organizing a couple extra games there. We just had an Istanbul game started. You guys ever played
0: Istanbul? I haven't. I've been, I'm curious about that.
2: Oh, it's a great Euro, and yeah. it's really balanced, and the two expansions for it, like, expand the city in such very fun but simplistic ways. Highly recommend Istanbul. We're playing uh, organized async games of that, the
1: digital version, on the Good Time Society Discord. Nice. So the next time you see a mob, I hope they're shouting, <laughs> Root! 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 Root!
0: So you can't
2: find this podcast if you are illiterate. Like, if you can't read,
0: you can't get here. Well, first of all, Jake, I hate that you're putting up those boundaries, all right? Mm -hmm. Root is a game for everyone, regardless of literary status. (laughs)
2: It's, It's not a boundary I'm putting up. It's a boundary that exists and I'm concerned about. So I'm saying we have no illiterate listeners that I'm aware of. And if we do, I don't know how they got here
0: microphone search we were just talking about this you oh, i know i was leading
2: mic. we we were talking about it before we were recording so i was leading us into this
0: <laughs> i know i know but i can't <laughs> deny that i'm not going to lie to the listeners like we didn't just have this conversation and then you said hold on let's record this this is gold about God. about victimizing God. illiterate listeners i'm not victimizing <laughs> illiterate
2: listeners i'm looking out for illiterate listeners because i want to make sure they can get here
0: i don't think that's why you started recording <laughs>
2: You didn't think it was out of the charity of my nature? You know what? Fuck this segment. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's making fun of dum-dums, all right? So I guess I won't do it.